Morning Africa. Zimbabwe, the South African nation, is making strides in the right direction. The economy is expected to grow by 1.5% this year, above the 2.8% African average. We look at these leaps. Good morning, Africa. Welcome aboard your pulse and everything business in Africa. I am Ruth Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial, and you can find me at Ruth Dong. 20 years of not paying its debts, Zimbabwe is taking steps to clean up its balance sheet and its image by making payments to major creditors. Even if admittedly token payments, the government hopes they will build goodwill towards Zimbabwe. Finance Minister Mthulin Chube announced during a video conference this month that Zimbabwe had made its first payments in two decades to a group of rich countries known as the Price Club. So what is behind the changing tide in Harare? Alan Majuru is the chief executive officer of ZimTrade and he spoke to us on this. With the coming of the new dispensation, I think we've moved away from talking to action. So if you look at our country, a lot of wonderful things are happening in the construction sector. We are improving in terms of our dam capacity. I think we've become one of the most dammed countries and we've built a couple of dams in the road construction. Things are happening because for business to happen, for even for us to do trade with Rwanda, we need good proper roads for that to happen and the government has put a lot of focus on that and all these things are being done using internal resources, not borrowed money which is something that is very positive so that we cut on the on the debt. So that alone, the focus on infrastructure, which is quite key because it provides the base and platform for us to then use the same infrastructure to do business, has been pushing us forward. And if you look at uh, agriculture, I think over the years we've been importing maize and wheat and soya in huge numbers because of the trust that we, we have experienced. But over the years, uh, this year, we've had a bump of it, so... That obviously has led us to cut on imports, which is now saving the foreign currency that is in shortage in the country. So it has also helped the bank to cut on that. I think if you look at it in terms of inflation, ETC, we used to have a number of issues uh, on, on the foreign currency issues. But the government put in the, the foreign currency auction system, which stabilized a lot of things and which even cut on inflation. Inflation went up from figures like 800% last year. Now we're around 50% which is something that is positive and that shows growth. So all these things now uh, need to be coupled with us looking outward and also promoting investment into the country. So for us, the president has made it quite clear in terms of what we need to do. We need to grow exports annually by 10%. And uh, like you said before, intra-Africa trade is very low. And when we trade within Africa, the challenges we're selling each other, we're selling raw materials, minerals, commodities. So we are literally exporting revenue, we're literally exporting jobs, but we now need to focus on value addition so that we retain the value locally and we grow uh, our economies. So the reason now why we are here is to make sure that apart from the tourism and the investment, we also focus on trade because you know, trade is something that can have a quick turnover uh, when you do business and it also then creates the networks and the relations for people to be confident to say, you know what, I've been receiving these things from Zimbabwe. I think it's high time I go there and invest so that I strengthen the bond and I also control the supply chain for me to get the good. So it's it's wonderful to be here and um, we are going to make sure that such events are going to be ha- happening annually because this is a relationship that needs to be kept strong every year. So every year we're going to be doing it and next year random people are going to come to Zimbabwe and we equally do a similar event. The African Free Continental Trade Area argument is one way Zimbabwe is hoping to tap into the export market and the country has previously benefited from the solidarity of other African leaders. Here is Majuru again. We're connected and uh, we all have got 
good political relations and we all support each other in different calls. And if you look around, um, most leaders have been uh, supporting us in our quest to have uh, the, the sanctions removed. Uh, you know, they created that perception about the country, you know. I'll give you an example. In the village, if you hear that uh, the neighbor is, is a witch, whether it has been proven or not, people who have that perception that there's a witch, which, which is a very bad perception that would want. So I think some most African leaders have been very supportive and calling out for, for those uh, sanctions to be to be removed, which is quite positive. And it also dovetails with the, the African continent of Italia, whereby internally um, we can then do business with each other without restrictions. Uh, and that's the essence of the African continent of Italy. We want to remove those barriers. We want to remove the non-tariff barriers. We want uh, to remove the huge tariffs so that at least the, the trade is, is seamless and we take advantages of the opportunities that are within us. But for that to happen, uh, I think we need to make sure that we put in place the necessary infrastructure to, to, to support trade, um, air connectivity, rail connectivity, and also road connectivity. Quite the optimism from Majuru, but are the country's young people buying in? So far, I'll answer this uh, with the regard to Zimbabwe. Uh, I think uh, our president has been very quite clear uh, in terms of uh, taking the youth on board. And this has been signified by a lot of initiatives that have been put in place. For instance, uh, for, for us, we, we, we are running a youth incubator program to make sure that the youths have an appreciation in terms of what export business means. Most of them have been looking internally. So that has uh, come out very well. And it's something that we're going to be doing annually. And the president has also made it clear that um, youths get into farming. So they're being given preference in terms of making sure that they access land. You know, we've got a land reform program that we undertook and um, there's some real alignment that is happening in that regard. So I think from our end, um, um, that detachment is not there. And um, uh, the Second Republic is walking the talk through to make sure that um, youths also benefit from what we went to the struggle for, which is land. And, uh, you know, the land is economy, the land is power. If, if you have land, uh, the, the, the sky is, lim uh, is, is the limit when it comes for you to make sure that you make the economy viable and also you make it sustainable. That was Alan Majur, the chief executive officer of ZimTrade. The other big story of the day, oil prices have risen above $80 a barrel for the first time in three years as resurgent demand stokes fears of a supply shortfall. Brent crude, the global benchmark price, rose for a sixth day to touch $80.2, its highest price since October 2018. The benchmark price rose as much as 1.7% to $80.75 a barrel before pairing its gains slightly. WTI crude, the US benchmark, rose as high as as 76.67 US dollars a barrel. Brent crude has risen around 55% this year as economies have reopened and demand has bounced back rapidly while the OPEC group of crude exporting countries have kept prices buoyant by limiting supply. Oil prices plunged below $20 a barrel when the pandemic hit last year, causing a collapse in demand. However, demand has rebounded more quickly than expected while supplies remain constrained, including by production curbs imposed by the OPEC cartel and its allies to help rebalance the market. Oil prices have picked up speed over the last few weeks. However, one reason is that Hurricane Ida shut down much of U.S.'s production capacity, limiting supply from a major market. 
quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast. Kenya Revenue Authority suffered a second blow in less than a week after the High Court put on hold its plan to raise at least 400 billion Kenya shillings from adjusted excise duty. Monday's ruling comes barely a week after another High Court judge declared sections of the Income Tax Act illegal, invalidating introduction of minimum tax that imposed a 1% levy on total sales from the beginning of January this year. The fresh excise order could have seen fuel prices go up by at least one shilling per litre starting October 1st. Kenya Revenue Authority planned to implement a notice that sought to adjust excise duty on various household goods including fuel and water using the average inflation rate for the 2020-2021 financial year of 4.97%. Apart from the fuel, the tax fund was planning to increase excise duty on other 30 commodities including food items, alcoholic and non-alcoholic products in line with the Finance Act 2021 further pushing up the cost of leaving. Staying with Kenya, Kenya Airways has partnered with South African Airways to improve services and keep the two carriers afloat. The loss-making airline signed a memorandum of cooperation on Tuesday as they seek to form a pan-African airline. Kenya Airways and South Africa Airways executives have exuded confidence that the partnership would enhance mutual growth, improve their strategic positioning in aviation and diversify revenue streams. This will boost passenger traffic, increase cargo volumes and generate trade. South Africa's ShopRite Holdings Limited posted a $10.2 million gain from the sale of its assets in Uganda, Madagascar, Nigeria, as Africa's largest fast-moving consumer goods retailer retreated from markets it had considered underperforming on the continent. The group made a provision of $87.89 million on loss-making stores outside South Africa during the 53-week period ended June ended July 4th, 2021, while its net debt increased 4% to $1.77 billion from $1.7 billion. The retailer, which is listed on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange and cross-listed on the Namibian and Zambian Stock Exchanges, revealed through its financial statements for the 53 weeks ended July 4th, that is operations in Uganda and Madagascar, which it had classified as assets held for sale, yielded a combined net gain of $8.8 million. On the other hand, the sale of the Nigerian subsidiary, which was completed on May 23rd, realized a net gain of $1.4 million after the business was sold at $35.89 million, of which $28.81 million of the amount had already been received. The retailer noted that its operations outside South Africa, consisting of 14 countries, only contributes 20% of the firm's profitability with a huge 80% of the earnings coming from South Africa. And a look at the markets. The Uganda shilling maintained trading within the 3520-3530 levels. As we draw closer to the end of September, the local unit is likely to maintain range-bound trading within the 3500-3560 range, helped by month-end inflows. The Kenya shilling remained weak against the dollar in early trading this week. The currency is expected to trade within the 110 to 110.8 range during the week, remaining weak overall. The U.S. benchmark 10-year Treasury yields rose to 1.5% on sentiments that the Fed would start tightening monetary policy soon, despite slower growth and higher inflation forecast for the year. And the British pound gained following the Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey's speech where he mentioned that interest rate hikes could come sooner than expected despite existing quantitative easing. However, Brexit concerns on the energy crisis in Britain wiped out some of its gains. Gold still remains vulnerable against the dollar trading at 1,740 US dollars levels. 
Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. And if you have any suggestions or you want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial. And you can find me on Twitter at with the dog. <laughs>